All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Hammer Time 1987 podcast, the podcast where all we do is win, and we're doing some more winning today because I'm joined by a very special guest. She is a dancer, choreographer, writer, freelancer, photographer, Toastmaster, and all-around very talented Lauren Kirchmeyer. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. All right, Lauren, so we're going to talk about your career in dance and the pandemic. But before we get to that, we have something that we play on this show called Word Association Game, which right. is I will give you a few terms, people, and things, and you can tell me the first couple of things that come to your mind. So are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right, Lauren, what do you think of oatmeal cookies? Oatmeal cookies are not my first choice, but... If you add a little peanut butter to them, they actually are really tasty. There's a Girl Scout cookie that's an oatmeal cookie with the peanut butter layer, and they're fantastic. So not my first choice, but I will still eat them. <laughs> we had uh, Jen Zaplon, who Lauren and I both know, and she she can't she hates oatmeal cookies, but she can do it with chocolate chips. Ooh, that sounds good too. I hate when you think there's chocolate chips in there, and then they end up being the raisin. So the raisin is usually the downfall for me, but Chocolate is always an added plus for a cookie. So you're not you're not into raisins. They're okay. <laughs> but when you grab the cookie and think that it's going to be a chocolate chip cookie and it ends up being oatmeal raisin, it's a little disappointing. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, what are your thoughts on Miley Cyrus? It's funny you bring that up because if you asked me this question a month ago, I would have thought that she was a hot mess and that she needed a little bit of help but I recently listened to an interview with her and she's a lot more intelligent than the media gives her credit for she was very well spoken she seemed like she had everything kind of planned out I did not turn the volume off on my phone I apologize but she (laughs) what was that Maybe it's Miley Cyrus texting you. It's Miley. How, what a crazy coincidence. But she, the way she was speaking, it was almost as if all of the crazy nuances that have happened in her career were all really thought out and really planned and specific to whatever she was trying to portray. And it reminded me a little bit of Madonna, but also Lady Gaga, where Lady Gaga, she's putting on an act. She's an actress, and she has a whole creation based on who she is as a pop star, but then her as a person is really smart and played out and and intelligent, and that's kind of the vibe I got when I was listening to this interview. She still seemed a little off. Like, I probably wouldn't hang out with her if I ever were to meet her, but it definitely gave me a new perspective on her, so don't completely uh, cut her out. It's like organized chaos, maybe. Yes, yes. (laughs) All right. How about your biggest pet peeve? Oh, gosh. I have so many. (laughs) Hmm. Let me think. There was one recently that irked me, and now I can't recall even what that was. One of my biggest ones, though, is if you are talking at your computer – when you're in a shared workspace because I feel like it just kind of takes away from that focus and you're wondering who's 
talking to you, who's not talking to you, if it's work-related, if it's just a thought that comes out. And that even just goes in general if you're talking out loud. But then again, I was that person taking a walk yesterday and singing along probably to what I was listening to on my headphones. So I was probably <laughs> that crazy person. <laughs> Funny. All right, fair enough. How about your biggest celebrity crush? Oh, gosh. There are many celebrity crushes in my world, but my biggest one is probably Joe Jonas, just because I've loved him for so long, probably since 2005 is the first time I could think. And I actually have Jonas Brothers book holding up my computer right now. <laughs> but I, I love Joe Jonas. I just think he's, he's really funny, he's talented, and... The fact that he's married to Sophie Turner um, does not make me feel like I have any less chance with him. <laughs> I was going to say, he's the one who's married to Sophie Turner, right? So Yes, and they just had a baby together, but that's okay. Really? I didn't know she was pregnant. I didn't keep up very, on her. So. <laughs> it was very, um, it seemed very quiet. Like they didn't really say much about the baby and they still haven't really announced that they gave birth I don't think but she did or else she'd be 11 months pregnant by now <laughs> did you watch Game of Thrones were you I did. yeah I I thought they should have given the the whole thing maybe to the to Sophie uh she was the queen of the north but they ended up giving it to um the what was his name again the kid in the wheelchair um I think it was the powers apparently the, the oh, raven I, what was his name <laughs> he was that memorable we can't remember his name <laughs> it's been off the air for so long and i was so disappointed with how the series ended that i have bran that's right that's right yeah, yeah. I, I haven't felt the need to go back and watch the episodes just because the last season was so disappointing yeah but yeah all right last one here if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be Anywhere in the world. I do honestly love living in Buffalo because I love being around my family and my friends. And if I were to move, I wouldn't be able to see them as often, which would be disappointing. But Ireland was awesome. I, I traveled there in 2015 and it left a really great impression on me. I thought that was really cool. I have a lot of family in Florida, so it'd be fun to able to live there for a little bit and spend some time with them. Colorado, that was amazing. I only went there once, but it left a great impression on me. They let dogs in pretty much anywhere. Mm. I was at restaurants and there was a dog. <laughs> like I, I'm all about that life. <laughs> so okay. actually maybe, maybe Colorado and then you, uh, there's mountains everywhere. It was just beautiful. Yeah. But, there's a lot of places I still need to visit, so I don't want to count them out. <laughs> well, you have some places in mind, so cool. So, <laughs> all right, well, thanks for playing, Lauren. Let's get into this here. The big elephant in the room as we're doing this during a pandemic. Yes. And uh, my first question to you is back in March when this was all happening, you first heard of coronavirus. Did you uh, think it would go away pretty quickly and it was just a media thing or you know, surprised at how long that it's been going on now? I was very naive at the beginning. I thought it was going to be here for maybe two weeks and that we would be able to move back on with our lives. And it was just going to be a minor little setback. And here we are in September and we're still 
we're a little bit more willing to do or able to do things, but we're still not back at a hundred percent. So it's been definitely a learning experience for me. I did not think it would still be around this, this far into the year. And it's, it's crazy to think that we still can't really come up with set plans because we don't know what's going to happen even come January, if there's going to be a, another round of this or not. So it's different, but I've learned a lot as well during this time that you have to be able to go with the flow and you have to be able to accept that change is always going to be happening and you have to adapt to that. It has helped me learn better communication skills as well, because at the start of COVID, I live by myself right now. And so I didn't have anyone. I was used to working constantly all day, all night, mm -hmm. coming home pretty much to sleep, always being around people. And then all of a sudden, I'm stuck at home, not able to leave, not able to see anyone. And it was a huge learning opportunity just for myself and to grow and to see what truly matters in life and making it a point to reach out to people. And if you're feeling a certain way, being able to express that to someone, or if you feel like you haven't talked to someone in a while, reaching out to them and making it a point to communicate with them. So it also gave me a lot of time to work on skills or do projects that I haven't been able to do. So COVID, it's definitely a very interesting experience, but a lot more good has come out of it than bad. But I'm also very lucky that the people that I know who have had COVID have been able to, to survive it and are, are doing really great. So I'm very thankful that that's been my experience with COVID, where if I know someone or even myself who were to have it and not have had a good experience and they're still in the hospital or on a respirator or anything. That's the word, right? Respirator? If that was the case, then I'm sure I'd be feeling a lot different, but I've been very, very lucky during this experience. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, you took some positives from it. I was kind of with you that this would be over in two weeks and the media is just going crazy. And, and of course it's, hasn't turned out that way, but you did mention you some new hobbies. Um, how about being indoors? Do you have any new hobbies that you have discovered? I've been doing a lot of Spanish. I took Spanish in middle school and high school, but haven't really used it since. I went to Punta Cana a few years ago and was able to brush up on it a tiny bit, but that was it. It was just a quick little brush up where now I'm like, okay, I want to actually dive into this language and try and get a little bit better at it and maybe eventually become, uh, uh, oh my gosh. Fluent. Fluent. I am horrible <laughs> words today. Wow. This long weekend is really shutting my brain off apparently, but I, I would like to eventually become fluent, but right now it's nice just being able to put in a few lessons a day and to get some new vocab and sentence structure in my life. Besides that, I have been doing some house projects. So I've been, I've been becoming a better painter and I actually put together a little molding. I'm looking at it right now. There was a piece of my house that was kind of a cutout in the wall for lack of better words, that it's really pretty, but it never was finished. It doesn't ha it didn't have a molding around it. So I went to Home Depot. I actually cut wood. I painted uh -oh. it. I sanded it down. I glued it to the wall and it's still there. So <laughs> oh. 
Wow. Yeah, so that was a, a big moment for me because I normally have to call my dad or my boyfriend and be like, help, I don't know what I'm doing if I did it all by myself. <laughs> I was saying, yeah, I good for you. I'm impressed with that. I was thinking that Home Depot must be doing great business because everyone I run into is like, well, I'm painting. I'm doing something. <laughs> so. I've been to Home Depot more than I ever thought I would be ever in my life during COVID. Obviously wearing a mask, doing all the social distancing protocols, but... I did the molding. I painted my staircase. I have a really creepy attic and there's a staircase that leads up to my attic. So I thought uh, adding some nice fresh paint to it would make it less creepy. And it did. It's a, little, it's a lot more <laughs> welcoming and comfortable. My, I have a front like covered porch at my house. So I painted that room. Yeah, lots of different projects. So Home Depot has been taking a lot of my money during this time. <laughs> but I don't mind because when you're sitting at a home for yeah. months, staring at things that haven't been done, it's like, all right, I need to, to get this done already. So yeah. it's nice that projects are finally getting accomplished. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, I took Spanish in middle school and high school and really struggled with it because I don't think I can speak English correctly either. <laughs> Apparently, I can't either. <laughs> going. So I remember, hola, hola, como estas? It's so <laughs> <laughs> It's about all I remember, though. So uh, anyway, but uh, it's cool that you've got those things going on. I know something that you are passionate about is dance, which is something that looks like it's been a big part of your life. So why don't we start there? When did you know or realize that you wanted to be a dancer and that it was you know, something really you were passionate about? I probably realized that dance was something I wanted to pursue around middle school. And that's when I started actually getting teased, I guess, by some of my friends because they were like, why do you always talk about dance? Why is that the only thing that you want to talk about? Which it wasn't, but looking back, I can see why they were saying that. And as an adult, and I look back at those situations, I realized I just had such a passion for it at a young age. And I loved being able to spend my weekends training all day at conventions with different, different master teachers and spending all my evenings after school at the studio training. I wouldn't have put in that time commitment if it wasn't something that I loved. So I might not have realized specifically that that's what I wanted at such a young age, but now looking back, I can see the makings and the steps that I took to realize it. But yeah, I started training when I was three, which is crazy to think about. It's been that long. But when I was trying to decide what to do for college, I actually applied for a dance program and I didn't get in and it broke my heart. But the way that my path has, has worked out, I went to college for communications, but I minored in dance. But having that experience open up the opportunity to take on professional job opportunities and to be teaching dance as well on top of what I was doing with my communications career. So even though I didn't end up studying dance as a major in school, I was still able to get that minor, get some certifications, and then dance on a professional dance team. I did a few other gigs and I've had a few choreography gigs since then and now I coach a professional team so just because that experience in high school that I thought I didn't get into to this dance program my whole life plan is over I'm not going to be a professional dancer it made me realize there are roadblocks in the way but you can still pursue what you want to pursue in life so 
Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that door closed and all the other ones open for you. So yeah. that's a cool story. Um, now dance for people who, who aren't kind of in that world, like myself and maybe people listening, there's, there's different kinds of dance. There's ballet and hip hop and tap. And um, what would you say is, is your specialty? What did you gravitate to and kind of where did you start and where does it sort of progress? I've trained in a bunch of styles. I'm very lucky that I have that background. I've been doing tap, jazz, ballet, hip hop, acrobatics. I did break dance for a couple of years. Not that great, but still have a few party tricks up my sleeve. Um, point, so I was doing ballet when you're up on your toes. So I, I trained in, in quite a few styles, but my strength even still to this day is tap. I love being able to create and even just make music and rhythms with my feet. Cool, cool. Okay, and I would imagine for most dancers, um, when you get in front of that audience, there's maybe some fear there. There's sort of that anxiety of the performance and what if I screw up? I mean, is that something that you faced or dealt with or were you kind of a cool customer from the beginning? I have always had some sort of, of stage fright going out there and it doesn't really ever get any better. That's also the thrill of it because then your adrenaline starts starts pumping and you're like, am I going to mess up? Am I going to do it? Am I going to forget something on stage? And all of the above has happened. I've blanked out during a solo, but on the bright side, it's a solo and you're by yourself out there. So you can just create something on the spot until you remember what comes next. Um, I've had wardrobe malfunctions. I've had areas where I've bumped into someone on stage. I had, I was at a competition once and I kicked my friend in the face and she ended up having like my footprint on her face for a month or more. I think I broke her cheekbone. We actually were talking about that the other day, but it, it never quite goes away. And even to this day, I still get those butterflies, even if I'm not the one performing, if it's my students or, or, or the team that I coach running out to perform, I still get those butterflies, but it's all, it's that whole experience. If you don't get those butterflies, then are you excited about it? Do you still love it? I like that little bit of fear that goes into it and the unpredictability. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have been told once if you don't have butterflies, that probably means you don't care, which wouldn't be a good thing. So in some ways you should just kind of channel that energy to, you know, go out there and do it. So right. I agree with the butterflies. Um, so uh, you had mentioned you teach in addition. So uh, what was that transition like going from performing to teaching? And um, I don't, did you, did you know you wanted to be a teacher or did that just kind of just happen? I was lucky my freshman year of high school that my studio owner invited me to be an assistant teacher. So I got to start learning about teaching at a relatively young age. Being in the classroom and being able to take on a little bit extra responsibility whether it was just taking attendance or having to remember people's spots and choreography for all the different parts and just the structure of how to create lessons and to make the year go on and for the kids to learn week after week. I really enjoyed it. I think part of that is because I'm just such an organized person. I love having that structure. But then also, as I got older, I started taking teacher classes at dance conventions, which was such a strange thing for me because I was always in the classroom just dancing and taking class and, and learning combinations. 
And then I went to the teacher room where it's more of a one-on-one -on -one class with, with these teachers. And they're people who I truly respect who are working on incredible projects. They're the people who are choreographing the shows that you watch on TV or the award shows that you're watching and music videos. And to be able to sit there and hear them and hear their expertise and the ways that you can pass their knowledge onto your students. I'm like, this is incredible. This is such an amazing opportunity. And then feeling inspired to create my own stuff because of their inspiration that they gave to me. And then I think my favorite thing about teaching is just seeing these kids progress week after week, even if it's just a tiny little bit. It could be that kid that you're constantly nagging week after week. I shouldn't say nagging because you just care, you want them to get better. But just straighten your arms, straighten your arms, straighten your arms. And finally one week they straighten their arms and they're so strong and you're like, you did it. And it's such an accomplishment. And then they leave feeling good. And I'll never forget a few years ago, I've been teaching this one girl pretty much the entire time that I've been a teacher. She could never do a forward roll in acro, which is just a somersault. Mm -hmm. She could never do it where she could stand up after. She would do the roll part, but I always want the kids to be able to stand up after in case I want to transition another step after it. And she couldn't stand up and she was trying and every other kid in the class could do it. And she just physically was not able to. Finally, one week she stood up. I start crying. She runs out to her mom to tell her she's jumping up and down. Her classmates are giving her a hug and, and congratulating her. They're like, you did it. You finally did it. And it's moments like that. The tiny little things that are really not a big deal to the average person, but it meant the world to her. And that's what I love about teaching. Not only passing my passion along, but to see those little moments that are life-changing happen to another person. Yeah. Yeah. It's an awesome story. That's probably something she'll remember and you'll remember for the rest of your life. So that's pretty cool. Um, how about this? Now, I know at least when I was growing up, um, you know, parents are involved and sometimes parents get angry and they think that their kids should be, you know, starting or playing and maybe they're not in the front role. Have you had to run into any of that in dealing with, with parents and family members who are like, gosh, darn it, Lauren, my kid should be out there. <laughs> I have. And especially in the early years, it was a lot harder for me to figure out how to express my reasoning to them because I was still so young right. and I didn't have those communication skills just yet where I, I still felt very intimidated by the parent, even if it was just a genuine question and they weren't angry and they were just wondering why their kid wasn't getting something. So at the beginning, it was a lot harder to, to deal with parents, but now I'm slowly finding my, my confidence and getting the, the boldness, I guess, back if they are really questioning me. But there are certain instances where, where the parents will come in and they, they hold their child on a high regard where it's like, that's great. They are a great kid. They're working really hard. But for this eight counts in particular, they're just not doing that move. They're going to do this one. And then maybe they'll be spotlighted 30 seconds down the line in another part. But it's definitely, I've learned, you need to just educate the parents because a lot of them don't have a dance background. So you need to be able to just explain your reasoning and, and to give them even tips on how they can help their kid at home so that they can feel like they're part of the experience, especially now with COVID. I'm interested to see what happens because the parents aren't able to come into the studio. 
So to kind of find a way now this year, that's going to be my challenge to express to them because they're not going to be seeing their kid and, and what they're doing in the classroom. So having that new form of communication will be interesting, but yeah. There was another story I was going to share. What was it? Oh, dance moms. <laughs> like bridezillas? <laughs> there, was, there was something. So when Dance Moms was a huge show, I noticed the kids and the parents, Not, and it's not even everybody. It was just, just a handful. The way that they thought that they could talk to teachers and studio directors. And I saw this across the board, not just in my own particular experience. It opened up a whole new can of worms on how you thought you can talk to the professionals. So that was a whole interesting time where we had to be like, you do realize that that's just a show, right? And that a lot of that is most likely scripted and that that's not how people actually talk to their studio yeah. owner. And that's not how the studio, studio owner treats their kids or their parents either. That just happens to be one show in particular and their stance on the world. But that's not how we accept it here at our studio or in our community. That's not what we stand for. So that, that whole Dance Moms time frame was a really interesting uh, point in time. But that show has at least been off the air for a few years, so it's getting better. <laughs> Uh, well, you, you got all that experience now dealing with the dance moms and people like that. So cool. Um, all right. So for people listening, if you've ever been to a bandits game, they have a dance team and they're pronounced the bandettes, right? Yes. All right. And uh, I know you're involved. Uh, are, are you uh, dancing there, teaching there? What's sort of your role in that? I danced on the team for four years. So I ended my, my last year as captain. And then I took two years off where I just helped with some choreography and then managed their social media. And then this, for the past three years, I've been coaching the team. So that's been a fun transition and being able to experience all different parts of, of that from being a rookie and not really knowing what to expect to be on a professional team to then being able to be a captain and be that in between. And then now being able to be the coach and yeah. it's been a great experience. I've been going to games since I was, I think eight years old. Yeah. So to, to be on the employee side of it has been a lot of fun. Now, have you noticed any difference between instructing, we'll say older girls versus sort of children, um, easier, harder, no difference? It's such a different world. Being in the classroom, you have the whole season to work on one routine for that class. So we'll start, we actually start on Thursday. I can't believe that the season's already here for uh, the dance studio. But we, you start September and then we go through May or June and you work on specific class material to help you with that final end of the year performance. With the team, they have to learn, I think last year we had 11 routines between last year it was October and March. So they have a lot to learn in a short period of time. We pretty much get three practices for them to perfect a routine. So they have two, two routine or two practices to learn the routine and then one where we strictly just clean it and make sure that all of their angles are right, or they're hitting the accent at the same time, or 
there might be two accents. So it's like, well, which one is the beat that you actually want to hit? So we really get into the musicality of everything, mm -hmm. um, level changes, how high you want someone to be, how low you want someone to be. And it, it a lot more specific. So working with, with adults, they're able to pick up on those, that fast paced world a lot better. If I have to be strict, then they take it with, with that uh, maturity sure. and they go home and they practice and they know what's expected of them. Where with kids, kids are still learning. They're still learning to how to try and figure out their time management mm -hmm. to balance their schoolwork, which is very important. And at the studio, we always say school comes first because their education really is so important. That's what's going to help them as they become adults. So, we're teaching them dance, but we're also teaching them life skills where for bandettes, they already have those life skills and now it's a job. They're getting paid to, to be on this team. So they have to look at it as a job. They need to put their work in or else when they go out there in front of thousands and thousands of people, they could look bad and they don't want to look bad because not only is that a reflection of our team and then the organization as a whole, they don't want to feel that just as a person that if they go out there, they don't want to be the one that messes it up for their team. And they don't want to be the one that forgets the dance on the field. So there's a lot more responsibility that comes with it just because it is a higher profile experience. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Well, it's exciting to see the bandits are uh, going to be returning and the bandits will be dancing. So that's cool. Um, I'm not sure if you can answer this question. You probably could, but someone's listening and they have to go to a wedding or somewhere where they're supposed to dance and they don't know how to dance or what to do? I mean, what tips or what do you think they should do first to kind of make it passable, we'll say? There are so many dance studios in our area that are more than willing to help people. So if you feel like you need a little bit of help, I know I've helped a few people in my life who wanted to learn some steps for a wedding I know a friend of mine, she worked with an actual wedding party and helped them learn a little routine to surprise everybody at the wedding with that bridal party. So if you are interested in learning, don't be afraid to reach out to the dance studio that's around the corner from you or find a ballroom studio if you want to have the perfect first dance with your dad, for example, or whatever it may be. Don't be afraid to reach out to the people in your community who are professionally trained dancers and dance instructors because more likely than not, they're going to be willing to put aside a Saturday for 45 minutes to come in and work with you, even if it's just for a couple of weeks. There's someone there that would be willing to help. And if they aren't able to, they usually, from again, my experience, I can't speak for everybody, people are willing to at least lead you in the right direction of someone who can help you if they are unable to. So don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Or someone could say to is no. And if that's the case, then go on YouTube. There's so many tutorials <laughs> on there. Good to hear. Yeah. Years ago, I took a Zumba class, which is oh, so uh, fun. <laughs> yeah. Latin inspired and stuff. Anyway, the instructor, uh, she's just like, you know, Adam, you, you haven't really moved your hips very often, have you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's probably true. So <laughs> But uh, anyway, so that's good to hear. Um, all right, Lauren, well, a half hour went pretty quick. We'll have to do this again sometime. Uh, but before you go, maybe you could tell people where they can find, find you, your social media channels, and uh, your Instagram and all that good stuff. 
Sure. Instagram, I'm Al Kirschmeyer. I'm sure Adam could put the proper spelling for yeah. you. So you yeah. find that. Um, I also have my own creative channel too on Instagram that I just started. That's Kirsch Creates. I am on Twitter, Dance716. And then YouTube, feel free to follow me. Just search Lauren Kirschmeyer and my channel will pop up. A lot of the bandette routines are on there. I usually put each routine up so that especially the girls who have that, the chance to choreograph something um, and they want their, their work out there. I put their videos on my channel too. So there's quite a, quite a few videos to watch there. And I actually shared a video of my experience from zip lining at over Niagara Falls on there. So that's a fun one. So it's not all dance on YouTube. <laughs> there's some other oddball videos up there for that too, but cool. Instagram is where I share most often. Cool. All right. Yes, I will definitely post that and make sure everyone can find you. And before you leave, do you have a favorite quote that you live by or that you like that you'd like to share? Yes. And it's funny you bring that up because I was just cleaning out my, my filing cabinet a little bit, trying to find certain dance notes for the start of the season. And I came across a notebook filled with different quotes that I've liked, whether they're ones I saw something from a book, whatever it may be. And one of the first ones in the book, I feel like kind of encompasses some of the things I talked about today with finding my confidence throughout my career and being able to, to communicate a little bit better. And the quote that I have for you today is, have the confidence not to be like everybody else. I like that. Be different. How about that? That's cool. So, all right. Well, Lauren, thank you for joining. We will, uh, catch up with you later. And thank you for the time. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.